this is Ekthar, chronicler of the galaxy of Warhammer 40k. Last week, on my show box, I discussed the first siege of the Fang, Space Wolves' mighty citadel fortress, known as the Battle of the Fang. This week, I shall recall the second siege during the 36th millennium, known as the Second Battle of the Fang. I know, I know, they didn't come up with anything original, but that's the Space Wolves for you. This took place, like I said, 36th millennium, and it is part of the Age of Apostasy. This massive civil war takes place in two parts, the first known as the Reign of Blood, and the second, which we will be discussing, is the Plague of Unbelief. It starts with a man by the name of Bacaris. He was a cardinal for the Imperium and desired power. Using politics and cunning, he soon controlled a force that controlled some 70 planets. He kept this hidden from the Empire of Man, hoping to build his own secret empire. To control the populace of his new federation, he gave speeches that appealed to the masses. People were taught by Bucaris to look after only themselves. Those who could not or suffer from poverty or unemployment were less than human and did not deserve the concern of their fellow man. Bukaris's speeches were met with thunderous applause, and many people believed that this was the only way humans could survive, by striving for their own selfish advancements. I, I will say, this seems to be a common theme for humanity, to look after yourself, and to do so eh, must require you to step on someone else. His firm report was that the weak and the poor were undeserving and should be left behind, and only the strong and prosperous should survive. After these speeches, Bacaris's planets were transformed into worlds where mobs ruled and fought amongst themselves, while petty nobles used their wealth and independence to rule. Neighbors often fought and families split over spoils from a rising chaos. The strongest, who rose to power and caught the eye of Bukaris, were rewarded with more power and often led units of mercenaries to enforce the will of Bukaris. Those who succeeded were rewarded with lavish gifts, and those who failed were punished accordingly. Now I know I am interrupting my own box, but this seems short-sighted to me. Every empire I have ever studied has always pandered to the poor laborers, and built up the wealthy patricians in the background. Eventually what happens with this scheme that Bacaris has made is you're using mob rule. Where the mob becomes an entity of its own. And, well, riots, then revolution, and then destruction of the rule class normally takes place. Anyways, even though Bacaris's empire was growing, strangely, he was hesitant of getting too close to Terra. Therefore, he forged a path directly to the galactic north, leaving a bloody trail of death and destruction in his wake. In the south, he shored up his borders before the world of Baca, because he needed far more forces before he could take on the empire of humanity. Yet to the far north, he gave Cadia and the Eye of Terror a wide berth, fearful of drawing the attention of the forces of chaos and the Chaos Space Marines. Eventually, Bacaris had consolidated his power over every planet he conquered, and so he moved on, 
three more Imperial Guard regiments joined him. And when he moved on to Hydrophir, the segmental Pacificus fleet bowed down, believing Bacaris's words. Bacaris's forces were now massive and able to strike at the heart of the Imperium, using surprise and cunning to overwhelm the enemy before they brought their superior numbers to bear. This is where, unfortunately, Bacarius made a fatal mistake, and where our story begins. He made the one mistake you just don't do in the Imperium, and that is to pick a fight with a space wolf. And he just didn't pick a fight with one. We tried to take Fenris itself. As Bacarius's massive fleet dropped out of the warp and encountered a space wolf strike cruiser called the Claw of Ross. After a brief battle, the cruiser escaped into the warp, although not before it destroyed a rebel naval cruiser and a transport ship. Bacarius passed this off as a chance encounter, but this arrogance was to cost him. He ordered his starships to continue taking planet after planet until they jumped into the fifth star system. Here is where he met a surprise. This system contained the world of Fenris itself, the home of the Space Wolves. And as soon as the rebel naval force powered down their warp drives, the Space Wolves' fleet attacked. The Space Wolves were outnumbered and outgunned, but even this didn't stop them. The mighty sons of Rust tore a hole in the rebel naval fleet before retreating to lick their wounds and began a hit-and-run campaign. They managed to keep about two-thirds of Bukaris's fleet occupied, but his force still managed to take landing on Fenris. Hundreds of transport ships descended into the stormy atmosphere of Fenris, and several were destroyed by the storms alone, and more by the defensive laser batteries from the ground. Despite this, a landing base was established and thousands of rebel guardsmen swarmed out onto the ice of the northern regions of the planet. Despite the poor conditions, the troops of Bukharis were enraged at the loss of so many of their compatriots and vowed to destroy the Space Wolves. Any Fenrisian captured was put to work supplying the guardsmen and laying out makeshift roads across the glacial flats. Though they were enslaved, the Fenrisians were not to be kept so down easily. Several regiments of the Imperial Guardsmen were kept out of the fighting to keep the Fenrisian slaves from revolting. Yet still, Bukharis had conquered most of the planet before he approached the Mighty Fang. The rebels surrounded it and waited for more forces to be shuttled down from orbit. The Space Wolves fleet maintained its hit-and-run tactics, destroying rebel transport ships before they managed to reach orbit. Despite this, the hills were swarming with rebel guardsmen. Gigantic cannons bombarded the Fang, and orbital ships dropped fire from above. The mountains shook creating avalanches and much destruction. Still, the fang remained. This allowed the space wolves to sally forth and destroy giant cannons of the apostate cardinal. 
Wolf Scouts were dispatched to disrupt rebel supplies, and many cannons fell quiet due to the lack of ammunition. The hills were full of tunnels, and the blood claws used them to reach deep into the enemy army, killing with their blades to save ammunition. Long fangs were even known to blow apart mountains to crush the armored columns of the enemy. Space Wolf dreadnoughts were used to smash into the heart of marching columns. All of this dragged on for months. Bukharis sent in suicide missions, promising great wealth for the first man to breach the walls of the Fang. After three years, millions had died as the Space Wolves had countered every attempt storming into the Citadel. Bukharis drew in more and more of his rebel forces, till even those on far away Gathalamor were down to a quarter of their normal strength. Bukharis believed his planets to be under his control, and so he felt he could draw so many guardsmen away from their former occupations. Keep this in mind, this will be his downfall. Fate, as it has a habit of doing, intervened again. Except this time, it would bring disaster for Bukharis. A vast space wolf force of battle barges emerged on the edge of the Venerous star system. Bukharis' fleets were taken completely by surprise by the space wolf's fleet, and the space wolf's fleet lost no time between arriving and attacking. Nearly half of Bukharis' fleet was destroyed in the first attack, trapped between the new arrivals and the harassing space wolf's fleet. Admiral Sahela ordered a retreat. The Space Wolves waited no time in pursuit and moved directly to relieve Fenris. The furious attack of the returning Space Wolves was vicious, and tens of thousands of rebels died. The attack from orbit was led by Kyrel Grimblood, and the Space Wolves' reinforcements blasted the rebel guardsmen from the mountainsides. Even those who escaped these attacks eventually died in the inhospitable snowy wastes of Asselheim. They were attacked by the giant Fenrisian wolf packs that made Fenris such a deadly planet. In all the chaos, Bukharis managed to escape on a shuttle and met up with Admiral Sahala, who jumped out of the warp briefly enough to pick up the apostate cardinal's shuttle. Bukharis decided to leave Fenris to the Space Wolves, and retreated from his northern forces to bolster his defenses and consolidate his power over the rest of his little empire. And that was the end of the Second Siege of the Fang. Well, what happened to the heretic Bukharis? Did the wolves bolster their forces and chase him into space and destroy him? No. That was not the fate of Bukharis. In the end, Bukharis was torn to pieces by his own followers. Why? Well, ironically, this goes back to what I said before. Bukharis had set up a form of leadership of mob rule, which works for a time, provided you have the biggest mob. For he tried to take Fenris, he had the biggest mob, his Imperial Guard. But the longer he fought against the wolves, the more men he pulled from those planets to succeed. When he failed, 
he came back to his little empire and unfortunately found that he didn't have the biggest mob. It also didn't help. The Empire of Humanity had gotten news of his uh, try of succession. And when they showed up, his own empire swallowed him up. And if you were wondering if I used the common expression, teared limb from limb, I'd say no. He literally was pulled apart by the mob. And that's how he died. But what of the Space Wolves? Space Wolves were forged the defenses and planned to go after the Rebel Cardinal. But by that point, he was already dead. And that is how the second Battle of the Fang came to a conclusion. I hope you enjoyed this chapter of history. Tune in next week for the final chapter of the Siege of Fenris. This time, it's against the Empire itself. Oh, oh! And, and, and don't forget this Tuesday... When Yuxin and I just grab a beer and discuss the Space Wolves. It should be pretty fun. Until next time, this is Zekthar, signing off.